This is the comic syllabus uh, at our home at multiversitycomics.com. Uh, here at the comic syllabus, we read widely and we dig deep. And I know the folks at Multiversity do the same, so check that out if you haven't. Um, always appreciate getting feedback from you. And uh, of course, if you found this by some means other than being a subscriber or following the podcast, we encourage you to do that wherever you find fine podcasts. And uh, every week on Sundays, we have our audio-only um, version uh, where we compile all the segments throughout the week. But if you follow and subscribe at um, a video-friendly uh, podcast app like um, Apple Podcasts or like um, uh, Pocket Casts or something like that, you will be able to see all of the segments in video released throughout the week uh, where we get to attach some visuals to our visual medium that we love. This is the Polybag segment where we talk about comics coming out and we are um, looking at a few books that are out for the week of Wednesday, July 7th. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a week. What is what is the marker? I should hold up a newspaper um, as if we out and we still got physical newspapers. Uh, I guess this is the week where um, is this a tablecloth is a <laughs> is a relevant thing. Anyway, today we're going to talk about Carmen number five from Image Comics by Guillaume March. Um, Memo number one from Boom Studios. Um, written drawn by Sass Millage, um, Ordinary Gods number one from Image by Kyle Higgins and Felipe Watanabe, and Wind number eight from Boom as well from James Tinian the fourth and Michael Dialinas. Um, also, we're going to talk about some other uh, books that I'm picking up this week in our mentions and a little bit of a mailbag because we got some feedback, which is precious uh, you'll hear me go on and on about that but we begin with carmen number five um carmen is by guillaume march an artist uh who we've been aware of um in a lot of um dc work and things like that but um march uh has uh, is a european creator and has um you know uh, uh translated this this book um you know written and drawn by march um translator dan christensen uh i've been talking about carmen for a while um when the first issue came out i thought that the art to was just such an interesting and unique rendition of these kind of familiar um story things about death and kind of like angelic you know carrier messenger figures um as well as the everyday life of the um of the main characters uh one main character in particular um of course content warning overall for this story the the story deals with suicide uh as well as um some other difficult topics but it's really about a woman who has taken her own life um in a, in a sort of situation of unrequited um long time love for her childhood best friend um and i've been you know I, I thought that the art i've i've thought throughout this whole series that the art is um really phenomenal um i'm interested in the renditions of of women's anatomy um that march has employed partly because as you can see here um carmen who is our sort of our lead um i don't know afterlife 
mm, agent, agent of the afterlife, uh, carrier person figure. It, it has this really interesting, you know, design of, of sort of an underlying skeleton. As you can see, other characters who who play that role, who play that supernatural metaphysical role, have that same kind of. We can see their guts or their bones or something like that. Um, and then, of course, the the main human character uh, that we follow. Um, is largely a uh, you know a um, naked woman floating around European streets somewhere, and so there's some ways where this book has been. I mean, I think I, I've heard some um, uh, discussion about it as as, as very po body positive in some ways, um, but there are still other shots that hint at a kind of exploitative feeling shots and angles, and and I, I don't know how to to feel about that. Um, I, I don't feel totally comfortable. It feels a little bit gaze, gazy, you know, um, but there's maybe also um, I, other readers may receive it with um, uh, appreciation that it, you know, these characters and their sort of fleshliness is really um, embraced by the visuals. Um, so um, your mileage will vary um, depending on your perspective. I think March's visual storytelling is pretty pretty amazing pretty exemplary in terms of you know just the use of space and these um again very um you know we've seen so many stories about the afterlife um and uh you know things stories like uh, movies like the recent um pixar movie soul to take um some familiar uh ideas to put a whole new visual spin on them is i think really interesting and i think carmen does that in a compelling way and it turns out that um, March, who I've primarily known as an artist, not only has visual storytelling skills uh, that are exemplary, but it turns out their storytelling storytelling is not not so bad. I mean, Carmen, it's not Neil Gaiman, um, but it's it's been capable. It's been effective. Um, and I actually admit, I thought that Carmen number four, when I finished issue four, I thought that, that was the end because the end of that issue does have a kind of final scene or scenes that were poignant, satisfying, maybe a little bit would have been a little bit abrupt. Um, but I was happy to hear, as I thought from the outset, that it was a five issue arc. Um, and, uh, and, and actually it kind of fits because even though issue four ends in a certain way, the end is not the end, right? Which is kind of the theme of the, the book itself, where, um, it really is writing the lion and asking the question of when, um, when death is, is, has finality and whether or not it is possible to, to make, um, to, to, to alter uh, kind of the, the course of destinies as is kind of talked about in these opening pages. And so without giving too much away, um, if you haven't read any of Carmen, I just, you know, there's in this page, you can see, I think it's the, one of the first few pages that, that it's, there's a kind of negotiation going on in the, in the, whatever the bureaucratic heavenlies or whatever, where, um, where that main character, that main human character who's taken uh, their, her own life and is now floating around and seeing things um, is, you know, it, it turns out that um, this superstar carrier, Carmen, who we see on the cover, um, is 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 doing a lot. <laughs> and and they don't know how they feel about that. Uh, meanwhile, Carmen, it turns out it is, in fact, not only the, the titular character, but really um, it's. Uh, Carmen's interaction, Carmen's intervention, that is um, the live negotiation, that is the kind of question in play. 
And, um, and so we see those scenes of the afterlife organization that rules and how their delivery of souls is really kind of tied to the, the kind of blue code or red code or something of the eternal destinies of these human characters. But, um, I mean, I think it's interesting that there's this kind of, um, you know, negotiating of the rules and, 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 and Carmen being heroic because um, they're kind of flouting this, this simple, you know, messenger carrier and, and instead kind of actively intervening to perhaps change the fate of our main character. Um, and I think it's just interesting that, you know, the way that this, this afterlife hero is intervening is, is, is really just a matter of bringing, showing the deceased the right scenes and the right people and kind of effectuating a change of heart. So there's a, a, a little bit of a, you know, the Christmas Carol, uh, uh, you know, Dickens sense of things. There's a little bit of like a lot of, you know, afterlife stories that, that, that we've mapped onto our consciousness. Um, Coco or, or as I mentioned, soul um, or ghost. There's this kind of optimism in the second chance that especially is unpacked and explored in in, in um, Carmen issue five. Um, all told, I think it's just, uh, again, a story that I, I thought was interesting, um, asked, raised some interesting questions and posed in a very contemporary set of kind of like values and ethics. Um, but most of all, visually, um, what Kian March does is just really fascinating. And, and so uh, Carmen number five um, wraps up this series. Um, I think, uh, this is some this is a series that has um made me really interested in march's art um at, at least and um and does some some interesting uh, does pose some interesting uh, questions about uh life and the afterlife so <laughs> there we go and we go from uh carmen five to a new book um mamo number one which is another book where the visuals really hooked me um i pre-ordered this book completely judging by the cover which you can see below um and uh, and the promise that that cover art was in fact also the art inside um written and drawn by sass millage uh, i believe lettering and, and color as well soup to nuts um sass millage is an artist who is kind of emerging anew i think this is the first uh, sort of series um, they've they've sort of piloted all the way through um, and I'll read a little bit of the the, the uh, solicit copy um, because this this hook was enough to get me side by side with the art which is kind of what I want to talk about um, boom is proud to, to showcase the incredible artistic vision of sass millage this is again reading from the the preview copy can can Orla O'Reilly embrace her destiny in order to bridge the divide between humanity and the fairy world Orla the youngest in a long line line of hedge witches finds herself pulled back to her hometown after the death of her grandmother Mamo without Mamo managing magical relationships between the townsfolk and the fae the seas are impossible to fish the crops have soured and Joe Manalo's attic has been taken over by a poltergeist now Orla and Joe will both be pulled into worlds they never wanted to be part of can the two girls work together to save the town um Sass Millage has done a Dick Grayson graphic novel. I forgot about that, The Lost Carnival. Um, but this is uh, her first original series. Um, and uh, I think that that uh, what's what's great is that the first issue really does deliver on the promise of all that preview stuff that made me want to check out this book. Um, and what I think what when I read that copy, when I read that um, that solicit text, I was a little worried, uh, I guess 
Hmm. <laughs> Call me an old person, but I was a little worried that this art, which which on the cover and you can see in this preview page, seems to just um, take its time um, to really just kind of, you know, render a beautiful world would um, give way to a story that felt compelled because of some suppositions about its audience or their patients would just um, become a kind of like rush you know would feel like it needed to be like so many cartoons um, uh, you know awesome and beautiful animated works that just felt like they needed to pow 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 hit you with a lot of story and um, and what I can say reading this first issue is that there there is a slower pace I mean you definitely do a ton of introductions there's a lot of exposition um, but but sort of well done um, exposition I, sh I, I should say and you're definitely heading towards the discoveries and into the action and into the the conflicts of the story it's very understandable it's very approachable it's uh, it's even fun to kind of watch the interplay between these two characters um, that you can see on the cover uh, Orla is uh, as mentioned in pursuit of like help my help my mom and there's something in my attic which makes it you know it's a, there's a there's an urgency to um her pursuit and she's looking for um i forgot no, i forgot her name but the other um the other girl who is kind of the inheritor of of um uh, oh sorry orla is the uh is the is the uh witch character i should have said and uh joe is the one who whose mom is is not well anyway joe is um is really kind of in pursuit and orla is hesitant is reluctant to step into um what is being asked of her and i think um what i want to say reading the first issue is that i as i was saying i was worried that there would be a kind of frenetic sense um the way that some similar you know stories in this similar genre are but it's it's not at all. In fact, the, the um, Millage is able to take the kind of space to let the art spread out, um, as you can see in this kind of beautiful um, opening spread. Um, there is in Joe a little bit of the urgency that has has her on her bike, really trying to find um, a help. But meanwhile, the world behind her stretches out, and I think that the story does that it, it it's a it's a it's an oversized um first issue it's about 40 pages um and yet i feel like i read like you know 80 pages because the characters um get to kind of hold back there's a little bit of tension and mystery that's built while the world has a chance to really kind of show itself and you know we do learn a lot um joe is is the kind of persistent inquirer um, and Orla is this the, the reluctant witch, and Mamo, who is kind of this big magical figure behind it all. Um, but again, it's all drawn out really slowly, and there's this hesitation that lets things kind of brew. And um, and there's just a remarkable amount that of storytelling that fits into this first issue without ever feeling that kind of frenetic, rushed pace. And I think a lot of that is because Sass Millage can do the writer-artist thing, where as a, a writer and artist, you can be quite in control of the density of the storytelling in terms of the art and dialogue and actions and reactions. And so the, the, the two characters can kind of create this push-pull tension that really lets the pace play out. Um, and this cover and, the, and that, that first page spread make you feel like it's a language page, a language pace. Um, but actually, 
you know, the average page is maybe six, seven, eight um, panels deep, but you never feel like it's um, overly dense. Um, and all in all, it's just totally gorgeous, as you can see. So um, this really is, I think, my recommendation of the week, the book that I, I really hope that we don't we don't overlook as a comics reading and buying public. Um, memo number one, pretty great, pretty great by Sass Millage from Boom Studios. Um, so we'll be following that. We'll be paying attention to that. I think that's a um, promising start. Um, meanwhile, to go to another series that's starting out, um, Ordinary Gods number one is um, out from Image this week, written by Kyle Higgins um, with art by Felipe Watanabe. Um, and um, I just, I think that Higgins has been um, uh, doing pretty well lately. I mean, there's uh, like Radiant Black, um, uh, series with Marcella Costa. Costa also at Image is um, is doing really well. Higgins is writing this Ultraman series at Marvel. Um, but this book is moving away a little bit from that sort of Power Rangers like um, story to something that I think is even different um, from Higgins's previous work with like Cowl or some of the big two stuff that he's done uh, into the realms of mythology and gods taking on human form and this kind of idea of cycles of like gods inhabiting people and living in history and in our society you know a little bit of what like wicked and divine was doing but like less hip <laughs> um a little bit of like what the eternals at marvel has been doing lately or or, or um there's an element of um the the series the birthright series from dc with kind of like this kind of surprise entry into everyday life um that's going on in this first issue um felipe watanabe our artist here has done a variety of dc and marvel work i believe they're brazilian and really does a stellar job here i mean i i think between this cover art and and this sample art and this early page you can see um uh, watanabe really showing showing his stuff um issue one is 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 kind of playing out like uh contrast between these everyday characters you can see here are I think what is our main character he's kind of at the center of the cover um, who is, you know is part of a family a little uncomfortable in their skin um, and with their their families and their roles and things like that um, and meanwhile parallel to that something going on where there's this mythology about a set of gods who ruled over these regions with particular attributes and they're in these cycles where they um, are in this contention this long-running contention throughout history with each other and there's this luminary special role or something like that um, a bit of a twist at the end in terms of how all of that is playing out but the um the predictable part which is really kind of signaled throughout so i don't think it's too much of a spoiler is that these gods and the way that they kind of endlessly fight throughout history with each other they inhabit human beings in different generations who are not always aware that they are the, in these roles um, so there's kind of a bit of a, like a discovery going on with each new time that this fight um, spr springs up anew among human beings. So we really pick up in the heat of the action. And again, these aren't story, these story elements are not before. Um, as with Radiant Black, I think um, Kyle Higgins is drawing from a lot of familiar story elements, beats, um, ingredients. Um, but I think Higgins and Watanabe seem to know that like freshness is not necessarily in the ingredients that you include, but in how you combine them. And so there is a way that I can see Ordinary Gods is kind of laying out pieces that, although I, I, I can expect them, um, you know, are you going to go this way? Or are you going to go that is kind of where the surprise, uh, you know, is living. Um, 
I think two things to call out. One, Watanabe's art. Um, I have not uh, sort of recognized enough before. I remember seeing um, some cyborg issues um, uh, back at that uh, rebirth launch. Um, but I really like in this book um, noticing Watanabe's kind of, I feel like the art, the art is a kind of reconciliation between, um, I want to say like a Neil Adams era line work and precision with a you know 1990s Jim Lee era sort of sense of style um and then a very kind of contemporary um sense of design going on so I uh, really like this 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 art um and you can kind of see uh both in in this page which really is is heavy on the action and the, and the costumes and so forth and in the everyday life pages that we saw earlier um and then second is that uh Kyle Higgins uh has been doing a lot with the sort of extra prose pages in the back um this is this is all over radiant black which is you know at least in the first arc about a writer um so there's a lot of writing and um and you can see that there's a lot of sort of um mapping out the, the mythology of this world going on in the extra prose piece in the back um, which i did not read too carefully to be honest um it's kind of ten, tends to be the kind of thing that when i do a reread I, and, and i'm really immersing myself in the world i like to really dip into those further but i just think it's interesting that higgins uh like the radiant black character um is writing comics but also clearly has this uh you know wants to exercise the the writer writer <laughs> more broadly speaking and does that in the in the back matter um so ordinary gods number one uh, i think it's pretty good um i'm interested to see where it's going i think uh, for me the jury's out on whether it's something i want to follow to the end um but uh, so far higgins is amassing a pretty great uh track record of doing this, um even if the elements are um and then our fourth recommendation our fourth book of this week is wind number eight um i'm finally talking about the series kind of in the middle of um, the second arc so it's a weird time to enter it and draw attention to it but i think it's been one of the best new series of this past year um Tinian's story has the feel of this kind of classic tolkien type fantasy but um you know some i think more derivative works of that that tolkien um note have this opposition of absolutes that that just doesn't feel very rich <laughs> um but that's not the case here with wind um and uh and and so uh james tinian the fourth is writer of course um uh, michael dial dialiness um i always say that name wrong apologies um is our artist um and world design on the lettering and um and despite those you know those fantasy um pieces the elements we have you know wind is our our main character um who is secretly magical um has the pointy ears and is in a world of humans and uh has to flee because this kingdom of humans is trying to really weed out the magical elements in their midst and so there's um there's a lot that's gone on read the first arc uh, definitely recommend it as i said when i think one of the best new series going right now um but in addition to those fantasy elements i think the the presence of of queer non-binary characters whose like kind of humble longings and heroic decisions really make them appealing and fun um, um different and and um issue eight is right smack as i said in the in the thick of the second arc 
Um, right on schedule, we've gone from like introducing the world and who the characters are and forming, launching this little band of characters who has to take this journey while, you know, you know, bad, bad characters are in pursuit of them and so on. Um, and now we're crossing over into the bigger world and, and into new, new territory, new threats, etc. While we have these vampires in pursuit and so on. Anyway, you can see we're right from this preview page, we're right in the midst of that kind of, um, that kind of action. Um, there have been deaths in this series. And so there is, um, there's definitely stakes. The stakes seem, feel big and, and feel really, um, real. Um, and Wind, our main character here, with kind of a slight spoiler, of course, has has wings, and he's learning to to, to have those wings and use them. And I and I, and I feel like there's this sense of this young character coming of age, discovering um, a superpower, really, a magic that is also considered um, uh, make makes them considered a freak. And there's a way where um, Wind, along with other sympathetic characters, are um, coming to terms with their own inner beauty and glory um, while being pursued and and um, you know uh, cast out um, selected for punishment because of their freakishness um, is is I think a use of uh, fantasy storytelling for young people that um, super important um, super good so um, Dialinas's art is perfect uh, for this series in my humble opinion it's a better fit I think here than um, the woods which is a more horror sort of series that um, that they, they they did earlier with boom um, I think there's a playfulness to the uh, alienass's uh, style and design that really make this story you know like sometimes on the edge of scary and heavy often very comical and lighthearted and um and 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 so there's a tone that's a lot like many of my my family's favorite fantasy things going on right now like new dragon prince on netflix it's kind of tonally perfect for young fantasy consumers so um you know it's just you just like these characters uh, even the obnoxious prince and I think um, I, I am, I'm, I'm hoping and I think it's been doing well, but I'm hoping that this will be a long and ongoing kind of epic. Um, it's kind of have the mark has the markings of that and will become like a very library friendly um, epic for young readers and teen reader readers for for a long time to come. So um, it's weird to touch touch base with wind at this point, but I haven't really had to t uh, gotten to talk about it quite yet. Um, another good issue in the midst of the second uh, second arc of wind. So check that out. Um, other things I'm picking up this week. <laughs> the nostalgia tour goes full circle for us children of the 80s as Masters of the Universe Revelation number one comes out from Dark Horse. Uh, I haven't read it yet. Uh, the you know, I think this week uh, um, or in this episode, if you're listening to the audio podcast, I'm going to be, be talking about Fist of the North Star. Between Fist of the North Star and and Masters of the Universe or He-Man, we're definitely in, uh, you know, the pop culture of Paul's uh, uh, youngest childhood <laughs> formative years. And so, um, well, here we are. Um, pl plenty of uh, opportunity for therapeutic work for me. <laughs> Self-examination. Masters of the Universe Revelation number one should be interesting. Um, looks like it's not quite as radical as the She-Ra series on Netflix, um, but certainly putting the uh, He-Man mythos through the 
wash cycle of our modern gender politics should be interesting. Um, Noctera number five from Image, Firepower 13, and Good Asian number three from Image, um, continue on some series that I'm following. There's a new series from Black Myth, uh, sorry, from Ahoy Comics called Blacksmith that I'm curious about, so I'm going to check that out. Um, the X-Men number one debut from Marvel, and, and we'll get into some Marvel and DC titles that I'll run down now that I'm also reading this week, but uh, if you're new to the podcast or still picking up what the heck I'm doing here. <laughs> the, um, the Marvel and DC, I will follow at a three or six month delay in the segment that I call the Infinite Unlimited, where we'll look at um, DC and Marvel titles on their respective um, Marvel Unlimited apps to read them when they come out in a kind of format. But anyway, new this week in comic shops, X-Men number one, um, Jerry Dugan and uh, I think it's Pepe Raz, um kind of, return to or slightly restart the X-Men within the uh, the uh, Dawn of X, Reign of X, Krakoa um, time period. I didn't list them, but the other X-Books I'm also following. Um, the Thor and Loki Double Trouble, which is um, Mariko Tamaki and Gorihiru's four-issue fun Thor and Loki series, timed perfectly for the Loki TV show, uh, wraps it wraps itself up with the fourth issue this week. America Chavez number four is also good one that that I've been reading. Captain America number thirty is sort of the grand. I'm sad to say it. Um, uh, farewell finale of Tanahasi Coates's time period writing at Marvel for now. Um, Runaways thirty seven continue to follow, and then over at DC there's a Batman Secret Files. I just like the signal character so i'm gonna check that out green lantern number four in this um surprising era where jeffrey thorne and dexter soy have me reading green lantern which i'm normally uh not a lantern um and then swamp thing number five wonder girl number two and then crush and lobo again another title that um i didn't think that i would be reading but thanks mariko tamaki you're too good for me to to resist um so those are the things that i'm picking up this week probably left something out um while we're here though a bit of feedback and an interaction and let me just say i live for this stuff i don't have uh comic syllabus doesn't have or need a huge lit- listenership um if you do listen and you like this um with shouts out to you know frank cesar and, and zach wilkerson for some encouraging tweets um i hope you if you are listening i hope you do feel like you've you're, you, you know you found a hidden gem because there's not a ton of you um and I've come back. It's summer break for me, so um, as an educator, and so um, the work is light, which allows me to kind of pump out a lot of episodes and work out the kinks of trying to do this video thing. Um, but um, I will not be able to do this much for for forever <laughs> once uh, the fall rolls around. And so I think I'm kind of trying a lot of things out and feeling out where there is some receptiveness um to what we're trying to do here at comic syllabus and um some 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 uptake so hey do me a favor spread the word um you know those those mentions those tweets um telling folks you know rating and reviewing on you know apple podcasts or wherever you might do that to um to leave some positive words uh and and the point of this was the interaction is is what i'm here for i'm here for the uh you know the messages of um, what you're thinking and reading and so um, with that a huge um, shout out and appreciation to Mark Tweedale from uh, also at Multiversity. Mark is um, super super knowledgeable and I 
love Mark's insights all the time. I get to write reviews um, with Mark and with uh, Nick Palmieri and others about Avatar, Last Airbender stuff and Multiversity. Um, but Mark, uh, I think, is listening to the podcast sometimes. Uh, I was talking about Monstrous um, on the last Polybagged installment and Mark wrote um, with some thoughts that, that were really kind of, I think, resonating with the th- the, the thought that, that there are very few um, fantasy comics right now um, and few, you know, comics targeted toward uh, adults, younger, younger adults that have that sort of detailed world building that we see in Monstrous. And so, um, so I, I just, I mean, I think I appreciate Mark um, really kind of answering the question I threw out while I was rambling about Monstrous. Um, what else is there out there that's like Monstrous? And I think... Um, Mark chimed in a, a kind of agreement that there really isn't anything quite quite like it and um, Mark pointed to the maybe one reason being that the the creators here are, are are committed so hard to fleshing out this giant world that is mature um, that doesn't feel this this need to inject you know comedy or or satire to um, to this world bid, uh, world building uh, that is so deliberate and thoughtful about costumes and locations and language and to put in that kind of work. I made a comparison to um, George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire and, and um, I think Mark was, um, was resonating with that as well. Um, and so the, the challenge of doing that in comics where, as Mark pointed out, um, you really need two creators who are who are dedicated to that sort of large-scale storytelling um, is, as to quote Mark, that kind of partnership is so incredibly rare. And so we, we do, we do uh, I think, we, we do get to witness something special going on with Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda um, building out Monstrous. They have been. So um, thank you, Mark, for that feedback. And um, let this be an invitation to all of you. Uh, if you're listening to... Um, yeah, to let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about our uh, four titles that we talked about today, as well as um, what you're reading. Um, And thanks so much. And let's keep on reading.